0: Well, good evening, everyone. How are you all? I think spring is sneaking through. Some nice warm weather today. Yes. A lot of smiles. Baseball. Baseball season's here. Which uh, is very exciting because that's a, another reminder of the Astros winning the World Series. Astros, people? No? No? There we go. Astros. Well, you know, it's a, y'all are pretty hyped tonight, pretty excited. So I figured what better thing to do than to continue the excitement with a great joke. Yes. So the joke is a respected surgeon comes in from work one day, sits down on the couch, and turns on the evening news. Who said oh god this is oh this is this is a good joke and then as he's watching the news his phone rings and he answers it and it's a colleague of his and the colleague says poker tonight we only have 3 we need one more he said i'll be there immediately he's putting on his jacket when his wife sees him leaving the house, and she's like, is it serious? Is it an emergency? And he was like, yes, it's really bad. Three doctors are already there. I have to hurry up and get there now. Come on. What is What All right. All right. Well, I'll keep working on my jokes. I'll keep working on my jokes. I'll say a prayer and we'll get started. Lord God, uh, thank you that we can have fun and uh, joke around and laugh. Um, thank you for what Christian said. Lord God, you are so good. And I just pray that you would um, help us to see you in the subject that we're talking about tonight. Would you help us to see just how spiritual this subject is and to not disconnect it from you? Speak through me. Open up our hearts and our minds. We love you, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So there I was. I'm standing in front of a guy who's in my small group. And he has just told me, he has just asked me a question. And then I've responded with a question. And he is thinking through all the different responses that he has. He's just asked me, hey... I got a test tomorrow, it's pretty important, and I'm thinking about skipping Kyle for the night. Is that okay with you? And so I'm like, all right, well, you could skip, and you could use this extra time to study, or you could treat it as an opportunity to trust God with your, with your classes and with this test specifically. And then there's a pause and he's looking at me and he's thinking all these different things about how he's going to respond. Some of his thoughts, well, I could tell Jordan, sure, I'll come, but really just lie. And then text him later on and say, oh yeah, hey, uh, you know, I got a stomach ache and I actually can't come tonight. Or he's like, maybe what I could do is I could just say, hey, Jordan, I'll think about it, and then later on hide in the library and say, and not respond to any of my texts or my calls and avoid me that way, or maybe he's going to be super spiritual, and he thinks to himself, you know what? When I walk to the library, I'll listen to a sermon. Library is like 20 minutes away sermon. I'll even play a couple of Bethel songs at the beginning, so it would be like worship. And then i play the sermon. It's like the exact same thing. I'll listen, to, I'll listen to some pastor that everybody knows, Stephen Furtick, Matt Chandler. That'll be okay. It's a straight swap, right? What does he decide? He decides, man, Jordan, this test is really important, and I really need to study. And so I tell him, I love you. I'll see you tomorrow. And that's it. Then a few hours later, I'm packing a bunch of guys into my quite old Honda Accord that is uh, some used to call the Black Dragon or the Black Stallion. Oh, shame on me. <laughs> <laughs> the Black Stallion, we're cramming into it. And literally, as I'm turning the car on, he comes running out of the dorm. And he runs up to the car, and he says, hey, don't forget me. I'm like, what are you doing? And he said, ah, you know what? I got some good studying in, and I really want to go tonight. So he goes, and it was really cool because I don't remember every Chi Forgive me. I don't remember every Chi I've been to, but I do remember that Chi That was some years ago. I do remember that night. I remember watching him worship. I remember sitting there watching him worship and thinking, man, he could be He could be studying right now, but he chose to come here. I wonder what God's going to do with this. So what happens? Next day, he takes the test. And what grade do you think he got? He got a 52. (laughs) And he failed out of college, and it took him six months to come back. So lesson learned. He actually got an A. Like I think he got a ninety-seven. I want to say it was like a really high A. He did great. Came back and like told me like he was so excited. He was like, "I've never done that before. I've never prioritized God when it came to school." So tonight we're going to talk about school and spirituality, not school or spirituality, school and. Spirituality. It's not a sermon about picking Jesus over school. It's a sermon about picking Jesus and school. So, in the church, we have this struggle when it comes to things that aren't overtly Christian things, like things that, like, there's like being, like, doing what I'm doing, being a preacher, or being a small group leader, or volunteering at church. These are like overtly Christian things. These are like religious things. But when it comes to the things that aren't like overtly Christian, we kind of treat them or we speak about them with silence or with just open comments about how they're not as important as those overtly Christian things. And one thing that we do this with is academics. Many of you all have felt it, I'm sure, where you feel like serving Jesus is here And then your grades are here, and then there's this tension within you because you're like, ah, I really need to do good in school. If I don't do well in school, I'm not even going to be able to be here. But then there's this tension because you're like, man, there's this opportunity to serve or to trust Jesus in whatever way, and it's like both of them are mutually exclusive. That is not the most biblical of ideas. It's not. It's funny what we do. I like to read books. Some of you all have seen. I have quite a few books. And I like biographies. And I think I have over 50 biographies. I may have over 100, actually. But I don't think I have. I think I can fit on one hand all the biographies I have on people who were Christians who weren't like, like ministers or missionaries. I, I can't think of one biography that I have about a student who did well in his classes. Or about I know of a couple, but it's not many. I, I think I have two on people who like worked really hard at their jobs and honored God with their jobs. Most of the biographies are about people who like do overtly Christian things, but that's that's not even the way that it is in the Bible, but that's the way that we look at things. In the Bible, you got Abraham, he was a rancher and a businessman. You got Joseph, he's an administrator a leader, also in some ways a businessman. You got Moses, he's a statesman, a politician, a leading politician, and also a minister in a sense, but more politician. You got Caleb and Joshua, they're generals. You got Daniel. Daniel's an administrator, a government administrator. Nehemiah is the exact same thing. These are all people that we talk about. These, people, these are people that we lift up in the Bible, but at the same time, like, they're not doing overtly Christian things, but yet they're highly revered. But somehow today, we've kind of, like, disconnected it, where it's, like I said, Jesus is here and school is here. Are y'all getting me? Does that make sense? In Colossians 3, Paul says it really well. A lot of y'all have heard this verse, and it's like one of the core verses of tonight. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's not really a difference between the spiritual and the sacred. It's usually just whether we're going to let spiritual things be called spiritual. School is very spiritual. It's a very, it's very spiritual business. Some of us need to hear tonight that your grades, your classes, you're honoring God by how well you do it. You're doing it for the Lord, hopefully. But he wants you to do it for him. I, I don't know how y'all are, but sometimes I'm like, ah, you know what? When I think about, like, if I were to see God tomorrow and he's, like, looking back at what I did that day, I would usually think, like, oh, yeah, okay, like, so he's probably like, oh, yeah, you talked to this person and encourage them, and then you met up with this person to help them, and then you hung out with this person, and then you, you said my name this many times. But then when it comes to, like, studying in any way, it's almost like like he'd be disappointed with me. Where he'd be like, ah, except you spent this much time studying. Do y'all ever feel like that? I feel like that all the time. But that's not how he is. Jesus said in, in Matthew 6, he said, seek ye first the kingdom and my righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. There is a way to do academics right, and there's a way to do it wrong. The way to do it right is to do it with him, to just trust him as you do it, to seek first his kingdom as you do it, to not disc- disconnect the sacred, the spiritual, the, the things like academics, to not, disc- I'm sorry, I keep saying sacred, the secular and the spiritual, the secular, to not disconnect the secular and the spiritual, they really are intertwined. I like history. Some of y'all know this. Anybody ever heard of a guy named Matthew Faraday? Michael Faraday. Michael Faraday. Sure? Yeah? A few head nods? What is he known for? Yes, electricity. He is like the founder of electromagnetism. I think you got a picture of him. Yeah, there he is. He's really old in that picture. He was born in like 1791 in England. He was the foremost electromagnetician. Dude was brilliant. He was a chemist and a physicist. He created the field of electromagnetism. Albert Einstein only kept like three pictures of different of other scientists in his office. This guy just happened to be one of those three pictures. I've heard some people say that He is one of the most, if not the most, influential scientists of the 1800s. He was brilliant. He was so smart. that you know what he did? He moved the field. He not only created electromagnetism, but he set it so far ahead that it took scientists over 100 years to catch up to his work. 100 years. That means that it wasn't until like the 1950s. That they were actually able to build on his his ideas. They were learning stuff that he said for a hundred years. That's how smart he was. Isn't that crazy? Why am I talking about this guy? Because... In England, they have this thing, it's the Royal Society, it's a, uh, they give this science award to the greatest scientists of the, of the time, and they do it every year. And if every scientist, you want to win that award once. If you win it once, it's like winning an Oscar or a Grammy. It's like, hey, you're that dude who won. It's like, yeah, I, I don't work anymore. I just, I do that because I'm that great. He won it twice. And during an award ceremony, what did he do? He's giving a speech about winning this award and then as people are applauding him he gets up and walks out of the room because he has no other interest in being there and where does he go he goes he goes to his church prayer meeting the one that happens every Wednesday cuz he goes there every Wednesday cuz that's what he's done his entire life to him to honor God he saw electromagnetism and serving Jesus is the same thing. And he honored God so much through it. And the cool thing about him, one thing I love, is the fact that he was actually pretty bad at math. He struggled with math. He was, in a, he was a phenomenal ex, experimentalist. Is that right? I think that's the right word. When you Yeah, experimentalist. He was great at experiments, but he struggled with math. I just can't help but wonder when I think about him, like, man, I wonder if he would have been as successful had he not been doing it for the Lord. I wonder if the Lord would have, like, filled in the gaps the way that they did with him, the way that he did with him. Michael Faraday was brilliant, and the Lord used him mightily, but I just, I just can't help but think about that. I have, uh, when I think about, when I think about academics and I think about the Lord there's a few things that jump out to me and I don't have uh, I don't have too much to say about this but there's some a few things that I want to highlight the first thing that I want to highlight is enjoying being a learner enjoying being a learner proverbs 1 says says Solomon says let the wise hear and increase in learning and let the one who understands obtain guidance But it also says in Proverbs 1, the fools despise wisdom and instruction. And it also says in Proverbs 18, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks counsel. Everyone, it's a privilege to learn. I don't know if you realize it, but you're in a place that, like, values learning, and let you actually spend time and says uh, you're doing a good job for learning and applying that knowledge. I remember when I graduated, I, I, went, I graduated and I was a teacher for a year. I taught high school history. I loved it. It was great. But after I left, I, I was so done with school when I graduated. I was so done. But I remember graduating and teaching kids and lecturing throughout the day and then finding myself a few months in like, man, I wish that I was being lectured to again. I hated it at first, but you're going to move into another phase of life after you graduate, and this phase of life will probably not honor or give you the time to study. And you will find yourself not being able to learn like you used to learn. This is a, a really sweet gift. And I just, I just want to encourage you all, please take advantage of learning. The Lord values it. It's such a big deal. But I do have to add this in, that as much as I enjoy learning, I did not always enjoy learning. My first three years of college, I was obsessed with my grades proving how big of a deal I was. And by that, I mean, well, to preface this, I I know that I struggle with affirmation. I am an affirmation addict. And so, and I've been that way for years. And so, like, trying to do things so that people tell me I did a good job is something that your boy struggles with. And I struggled with it then. And so, for me, at first, it was basketball. That's, what I, that's, that's where I got affirmation. Then I traded basketball for school. And school is a pretty easy thing to get affirmation. And by what I mean by easy is that you have complete control over it. If you work really hard... If you study, 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 then you'll probably get an A, and then people will give you a pat on the back, and you'll feel pretty good about yourself. I don't know if many of you have thought about that before, but do you use school to make yourself feel feel valuable? Is that where you get worth from? all right, anyways, so looking back at myself, though, first three years of college, that's what I was doing, and I did not enjoy learning that much. It was actually more of a chore or something that stressed me out. And then had a really sweet experience. I'm not going to go into it, but I will say the one thing that I did start doing was that I started going to school with Jesus instead of going to school to prove myself to everyone but Jesus. And when I did that, things just started getting a lot better in school. I started going to school with Jesus Instead of going to school to prove myself to everyone but Jesus. And I just went to school with him. I trusted him with my grades. I said, I'm going to give you my best. And then I'm going to walk away. That was the way. That, that I didn't try to get A's. Actually, I didn't try to get. I just, tried to do, I just tried to do well and be able to say that I gave you my best with the time that I had. Funny thing. Those first three years, my grades got worse and worse and worse as time went on. Because I was so stressed out. And then, once I stopped caring about it, I think I got like two B's in that last two years. And it was all the rest of the time. I guess that's what Jesus means when he says, "When you loo- if you try to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. Another thing, though, when you think about academics and school is this tension between school And I mentioned it earlier, and serving the Lord. And by serving the Lord, I mean maybe you're a small group leader, a resource leader, or you volunteer at your church, you're a leader leader at your church. There's a lot of different things. You go and serve somewhere. You do these, like, specifically, like, Christian activities. And then the tension of, like, well, the things that aren't specifically Christian, like, are they lesser? And then you have those moments where you really need to study, like, my friend— But then also, you really are trying to serve the Lord as well. And to pick serving the Lord always feels better because that's spiritual. And the other thing isn't spiritual. And I'll say it again. Remember that everything that you do, do it for the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, everything that you do, do it for the Lord Jesus Christ in his name it's a really it's a really simple sermon. It's it's not like this I got nothing profound tonight other than actually taking Jesus into your classes. When I was a student, I tried to disconnect this. In my third year, before that change, the experience that kind of changed it for me, I had this microbiology class. And I really enjoy science. I enjoyed microbiology. I was doing really good in the class. I was carrying a really strong C minus that I was proud of. And I'm in this class, and midway through the semester, somebody points out, oh, hey, did you know that our professor is a Christian? And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, he actually carries his Bible around the biology building, and he's always talking to other professors about the Lord. And I said, that guy, he's brilliant, but I had no idea. He said, yeah. And so I approached my professor. I was like, hey. And I told him some stuff about me being a Christian. And then, you know, we're, I'm asking him about what he does. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we get to the subject of my grades. <laughs> and then he sees the C And he's like, I, I will never forget. I, I, wish I, I wish I had a picture of it. So I could, actually, I don't want a picture of it because you all, it would be embarrassing. Actually, I wish I did have a picture of it. Who cares about being embarrassed? If you could see the man, not disgust or anger, but just genuine disappointment because he could tell that I had disconnected my spirituality, my faith from honoring God with school. And this man was like, you missed it. You missed an opportunity. This man used his career to glorify God. And here I was throwing aside basically my career to say that I'm doing Christian things. I got too much time for that. I don't, I don't have enough time for that. I'm too busy doing spiritual things. Fortunately, there was a little bit of redemption. A few years later, I ended up teaching his son at this school when I taught for a year. I actually ended up teaching his son. His son was brilliant. I know his son was smarter than me. His kid was like 14. He was brilliant. And he, um, he was wearing—never mind. <laughs> Anyways— but one thing about his son, though, is I just tried to, at that point in time, I caught it. I realized that the work that I did for the Lord was just important as the work that I did, like, in the world. They were both the same. Spiritual things, like, everything was spiritual. And so I, I think I did a pretty good job teaching his son. He said I did a good job. We developed a friendship he actually prayed for you all. He prayed for you all to come, for us to come here. We like, he's a big supporter of our ministry. He prays for you all. I will add, I did try to ask him for support, you know, because we've got to raise support to be able to do this, but he said no. Um, but it's really cool because he said no because he already was giving hundreds of dollars a month to another ministry. I, have, I just have the utmost respect for this man. He was just like Michael Faraday. They just didn't see their faith and their work for the Lord as two different things. They were one and the same. I'm like, I, I'm beating the same drum over and over again because I, I, I don't have anything else. They're the same. They really are the same. It's all spiritual. It's all an opportunity to bring people into the kingdom, it's all an opportunity to love the Lord. If you are like trashing school in order to, and, and excusing it is not spiritual, then, then you are just not with Jesus when you're doing that. All right, all right, I, I'll get off that. The last thing I want to say, anybody ever heard of Solomon? One of my favorite people in the Bible, I love this dude. He wrote the Proverbs that I said earlier. This dude is like one of the biggest like struggles in the Bible. Because here he is like, he was like revered for his splendor. Dude knew how to make things look good. And he was revered for his majesty. Dude knew how to make himself look good. And he was also revered for his wisdom. It said there was no man as wise as him before or since. He was so wise. He was an amazing leader, but he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. I saw some of y'all's eyes being like, "That is awkward." Could you, I don't know. Could you just imagine him walking in the room? You know, he walked, walks in. It's like, "Hey, yo, what's up?" I'm Solomon. It's like, "Hey, yo, it's Solomon over there." And then first wife comes in, and the next one. And then it's like standing room only. It's like, it's a lot of y'all. All All right. But the Bible says that that was his downfall. It was his wives, which is really weird because even though he was the wisest man of all time, even though he had all this knowledge and all of this learning, what happened? he wasn't able to live up to the wisdom and the knowledge that he had. Which is our, all, all of our struggle. Not being able to live up to the knowledge and the wisdom that we have. What am I getting, getting at with this? As great as, as learning is and knowledge is, and I'm encouraging you to learn, know that there are limits to it. The struggle with learning is a puffed up heart. That's the struggle with great learning. We see it with some of our professors that we love so much. Y'all have seen it. That's the struggle with learning so much. That's the limit of it. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. When I was thinking about this, I had this picture of Solomon being this man who was like a tree. And he was a really strong tree, but and it had a good root structure. But then as his knowledge grew, his, the top part of the tree grew wider and bigger and expanded more and more and more. But then his root structure didn't grow. And he eventually falls over and or breaks. And that's what it's like to have a lot of great learning, but to not have love. You're like, what, what, what is Jordan getting at? What I'm getting at is, Solomon was the wisest fool that ever lived. He was the wisest fool that ever lived. But there was another person who came after Solomon. <clears throat> and he said that he was one who was greater than Solomon. This man was God made man. And he, knew, he not only had All of the wisdom that Solomon had, but he had the character and the power to live up to the knowledge that he had. Knowledge mixed with love is a great gain, and it should be what we are all seeking. There are limits to knowledge, and the limit is that knowledge cannot save you, it'll never be enough. It'll never be enough. No affirmation will be enough. No knowledge, no, not enough knowledge will be enough. And knowledge cannot make you actually live it out. I don't know if I was going to say this, but I just, it was like super late. And I was like, well, let me just, and the bank can go ahead and come back up because I'm basically done. But I just, I just felt like I had to encourage some people too. Because if you're doing really good in school, then this is probably a sermon that you like. But if you haven't taken school seriously, then it's probably slightly convicting and a little discouraging because you're like, man, my GPA is like .004. (laughs) And and I don't really know. I don't know what the next step is. The next step is just start going to school with Jesus and let him restore. Let him restore your, your grades. Let him restore you. Say, Lord, I'll give you my best, and I'll trust you to do what you did with Michael Faraday, to open my doors and to deal with, to restore the bad GPA that I had. It was so funny. I think my first year, because that was me. My first year, I think I started with, like, uh, at the end of the first year, it was like a 3.8, you know, and it was like, oh, sweet. And then I think I had, like, gotten down to, like, a 2 by... By like, um, yeah, the end of my junior year. Because I really was running on this idea that, yeah, doing spiritual things is more important than school. And I was just throwing school by the wayside. And that professor, he saw that. And so one of the things I did the next year was I went to school with Jesus. And I didn't didn't try to, I, I really didn't try to make A's. I really just tried and said, Lord, I trust you with this. I give you my best and you'll do what you want to do. And it was so cool because he not only totally restored my GPA, he gave me a job that I wasn't qualified for, that I shouldn't have gotten. He opened, he's, he's opened up all of my doors since. Going back to that story that I said at the beginning, I didn't say that story to rip school and say like, oh yeah, like what my friend did was he chose Jesus over school. What he did was He put his trust in Jesus as he went to school. And when he did that, the Lord made the impossible possible. If you trust Jesus with your internships, with your grades, with all of that and say, Lord, I'll try to I'll try to glorify you with this. But then at the same time, I'm not going to be owned by this. You'll see him open up doors for you, too. Man, I don't know what y'all are thinking, but this is a very relevant sermon because all of y'all are in school and all of your grades matter, whether you value them or not. I hope that you see that you can do this with Jesus and that it is, it is such a great work for the Lord. I'll pray and, and we'll be done. Lord God, WVU needs to see the Christians on this campus stand out not only for being passionate about you, but because we are passionate about you, we are great scholars. Lord, God, help us not to disrespect you by not taking our professors who need you as well seriously. If they see us as not valuing school and trying to minister to them, it is so far from who you are and what you've called us to. Lord, I... I just said the same things over and over, Lord. And I, I, got, I got like no new or special or profound thoughts with this. It's just that we need to go to school with you. Would you help us to do that? Would you help us to honor you with our grades? Would you restore our GPAs and open up our doors? And, and for anyone who really does need to start over like I did, would you help them to take that step tonight? Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.